Hi there, guys and gals. Welcome to the Best Thoughts Podcast. I'm Rick Johns. So glad to have you with us today. And as always, I'm joined by my brother, Will Johns. Will, how are you doing today? Well, Rick, I'm doing great. Uh, it's been fun to be out in some of the snow that we've had here recently. Mm. Uh, we're recording this in January, for those of you who are wondering why there's snow on the ground for us. Um, <laughs> but we had a great time getting out playing with that, except I shouldn't have played the tackle football uh, yeah, with the kids because... Agreed. I am feeling uh, the injury from that. I've got some sore ribs right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a bit violent. And once you cross 40, somehow just hitting the ground, it's a lot different than when you were 20. Yeah, yeah my body can't, can't take it anymore. Anyway, but it was fun at the time. But yep. I am excited today to talk more about this concept of spiral dynamics. Let me tell you how much this has meant to me personally. If you've ever had people in your life you just don't understand, you're not sure where they're coming from, this theory is so powerful yeah. in what it can explain. And the more we get into it, the more it's going to explain. And, and so I just can't be more excited about getting into this today. Yeah, this is so practical and so helpful. And like you said, Will, once you understand these stages and you start to understand people and when they're in one of these stages and you can see, oh, that's why their worldview is this way. That's why they're making these posts. That's why they have these strong opinions that when I'm in a different stage, it's very easy for me to misunderstand and just go, my goodness, what are they thinking? And, and probably all of us have somebody like that either on social media where we read their posts and we just can't believe anyone would ever say that. Or maybe somebody in our family that would just shake our head and say, I can't believe they think these things are on this side of this issue. When you listen and understand spiral dynamics, it will help you make sense of all of that. And so, yeah, I mean, I guess we should just get to it, huh, Will? Yeah, I think so, because, you know, we, we've got to lay the foundation, which is what we're going to be doing today before the whole thing is going to make sense. And so we have to kind of take it a piece at a time. So I just invite you listeners to, to just join us on this journey. And trust me, it's going to be worth it uh, when you get to the end. And the things, the things you need to know just at the beginning are there are eight basic stages they are color-coded, so we're going to give you stage one with a color, stage two with a color, and then we're going to also post a diagram for those of you that are visual like me, because it's confusing when you're just listening sometimes, but if you can see it, it'll probably help you, and we'll post that at our uh, new website that we've got up and running. Yes, yeah, so for those of you who are driving in your car right now and you can't click on the website to go see our image, let me just try to describe it to you very quickly. It's a spiral that starts small at the bottom and continues to get wider as it goes to the top. At the bottom is the color beige, then the color purple, then red, blue, orange, green, yellow, and turquoise, getting wider and wider as it goes all the way up to the top. And so this, this diagram is kind of meant to show that as we move through the stages, the healthy movement up the spiral is to transcend 
and include mm -hmm. the previous stage. And that's huge, Will, because transcend and include is the healthy way through the spiral. Unhealth comes when you get stuck in a stage or cling to a stage, feeling that that stage is the only right way. And we'll talk about that more later. Yes, and also in unhealth, people at a given stage may look back at previous stages with disdain yeah. and look forward to the upcoming stages with fear. Yeah. And, and both of those attitudes or outlooks towards the stages are unhealthy and, and you could see lead to dysfunction and problems and conflict with others. And the last note before we discuss the very first stage is that we can be in any given stage at a given season in our life or a given moment. Yes. So even though we may be able to trans, you know, we, we, we may be climbing up the stages and we may have tasted, say, of green or orange, we can still go back to earlier stages if life events call for that. And that could be a healthy response, or we could go back out of unhealth because of some fear or trauma. Yes. And, and I think it's very important that we think about this right at the beginning that we can move around in these stages. Correct. And remember, if you're at the farther stage, so say you're up in green, green includes, at, in health, includes all of the previous stages within it. Right. And so it, those, those earlier stages are still within us when we look at this model as a model of personal growth and development. Now, this model also is a is kind of a historical model of of how how we've developed as a culture as, as a society as human beings so we'll kind of reference that a little bit but we're mostly going to be focusing on in our time together on how this affects us personally in our own personal growth and development and then how that gives us wisdom and insight into relating to other people absolutely so with that, I think we're ready to dive in. Yes, yes. <laughs> let's, let's talk about beige. All right. Stage number one, the beige stage is the color, and this is the survival stage. This is the archaic stage. This is the very first, maybe you could say most primitive stage of spiral dynamics and of human history and of your own development. So in this stage, you're simply focused on the needs for survival. Well, and, and another way to imagine it kind of in a more modern context is there's so many survival shows that are on TV right now. But if you think of some, one of those shows where they take somebody and they drop them deep in the wilderness and they, they have to find their way out or survive in that wilderness for a week or 30 days or some, something crazy and they, they kind of chronicle that person's journey where they're first trying to make a shelter, <laughs> then make a fire, then find something to eat. Um, that kind of gives you a sense of, you know, what this survival stage is all about. Exactly. <laughs> or you can just take a vacation to Memphis. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a story on that, actually, because... One time, I had a friend that lived in Memphis, and he was telling me it was very rough. Uh, and even, even though they weren't even in the worst part of town, he just said, man, this city, 
And he talked about how his wife had been held up at gunpoint just walking into her house with groceries. Mm. And I thought, man, that's, that's pretty bad if that's happening to you. Just And he said that was like a common thing around there. So I had a friend, of, another friend of mine one time at church telling me, oh, we went and uh, we were taking a vacation through the South and we stopped in Memphis. And I said, oh, how was Memphis? I said, I had a friend who lived there, said it was really rough. He says, well, that's funny you mentioned it because when, uh, when we were there at Memf- in Memphis at the hotel, I came down from my room to get uh, some water down in the lobby and I get in the lobby and everybody's laying on the floor and I look and there's a guy with a gun and he's holding up the clerk and everybody in the lobby and he makes me get on the floor and he robs the place. Wow. <laughs> oh, man. So that's Survivor. <laughs> that's survival mode right there. When you are in a hostage uh, gunpoint situation, survival mode is where you need to be. That's a healthy response. Uh, you don't need to be talking about philosophy. Well, and, and I'm glad you brought this up, Rick, because this is the perfect, clear example of how we move through the stages. So no matter what your main color is, where you mostly um, hang out and look at the world, say maybe maybe you'll find out later as you get in that you're mainly orange or or something like that. The minute you have a gun pointed at you, you're beige. Yes. It's just that simple. (laughs) For most people, I mean. For most people, Some remarkable individuals, maybe not, but for most of us. We're back to beige, and we should be. And, and, and part of it is, you know, we move based on external circumstance. So let's say there's a global pl- pandemic that strikes. and Hypothetically. <laughs> hypothetically, you know, and, and at the beginning, there's no treatment, and, and there's so much that's unknown about it. Uh, very likely, at that moment, you're going to go to beige. Yeah. It's just what you're going to do. So... So probably most of us have just come out of a beige situation, or I guess we're still in it maybe, depending on you know what time you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> so um, so there's, there's that that's taking place. So my guess is, Rick, that, that most of the world got plunged into beige in the last couple of years, starting in March of 2020. Mm-hmm. And, and so all it takes is some outward event to start moving us back to this basic foundational color. Yeah, and the, any kind of trauma can put you back into survival mode. Losing a job is probably a big yes. one for us. Uh, if we're unemployed and, and being unemployed for a while, worrying about paying the bills when the income is short and you have more expenses, that can put you right into survival mode just trying to, you know, figure out how you're going to survive. Even hearing about your company is about to have massive layoffs. Yeah. And that will <laughs> plunge you immediately, you know, into that beige situation or going through something traumatic like losing a loved one, um, going through a divorce. Yeah. You know, some kind of traumatic relational experience can plunge us all the way back into beige. And we have to be careful not to judge someone who's in the beige, beige color, the first stage here, because we can say, why aren't they doing more to advance themselves? And why don't they do this or that? Mm. But when all of our basic needs are met, we may not be the most understanding for someone who's every day just trying to survive. Yes. 
I remember I had kids in one of my classes that I taught, and some of them were in that probably beige state. Their, Their home conditions were very challenging, and they didn't always show up to class, and they didn't always have transportation, and there was, you know, a rough home environment, and it would be easy for me to say, well, why aren't they coming to class on time? Why aren't they taking notes? Why aren't they, you know, doing all these things you're supposed to do as a good student? Well, they're in survival mode. They've got bigger issues than just what's going to be on the test. Yes, and I think that's such an important concept that we want to remind everyone of as we go throughout this process is this theory is given not so that we can look down on other people or judge them in some way, but so that we can have compassionate understanding. Yeah. And remember, it's unhealth at any stage to look back with disdain. Right. And so whenever we look down on someone else for being at the stage that they're in, um, we're doing that from a place of unhealth for ourselves. And, and Excellent. So, you know, we've got to be compassionate when we look at others. Um, and we've all been there. We've all had moments where survival was the top uh, of the list for us. <laughs> right. And we know what that's like, but, but sometimes we forget and we become ungracious towards others who are in this stage. And just to note that according to the research, they would say maybe less than 1% of our world is right now in the beige stage. There are some societies where survival is all they can care about. That's all they got. And certainly your country could go into this stage, you know, with a war, civil Mm -hmm. war, famine, you know, some traumatic kind of events could certainly plunge you in for a season. And so just being aware of that is very helpful. And the other thing is to note in the advancement of human society, this is where you would start. If you look back and you think of a caveman, hunter-gatherers, you know, this was stage one, but then we move on to stage two. Yes, let's talk about purple. Purple is stage two. It's often summed up with the word mystery or magic uh, or superstition. Mm -hmm. And in history, what we see are groups of people who realized that things like rain were affecting their survival. That when they got enough rain, they had plenty of food and their survival was no longer in jeopardy. But then sometimes it wouldn't rain for a really long time. And so they began to see that the, they began to believe that the rain was affected um, by forces beyond their power. And so they decided that they had to do something. And so they began to look for ways to, quote, appease the gods. Mm-hmm. And a classic example of this is in the Bible is the god Baal, who was the rain god. Mm-hmm. And so people would go up onto a high place and offer a sacrifice to Baal, believing that that would get them the rain that they needed. Right. It's it's that superstitious level. And we all have a bit of superstitiousness uh, in us. And by the way, even here in 2022, we may not go on a mountain and offer a sacrifice, but we have sports teams and sports where people are very superstitious. And a lot of times, even when we're rooting for our favorite team, we may say, oh, I've got to wear these lucky socks. Last time I wore them, my team won. Right. <laughs> or whenever I'm in the room, my team you know, misses the field goal, so I'm going to be out of the room when they kick the field goal. It's, it's not just something for primitive cultures way back when. 
again, all these stages are within us too. Yeah, and I, I'm glad that you mentioned that, Rick, because we need to recognize that we can still relate to these stages, especially these early ones that feel very distant, can feel kind of far away from us, but there's still a point and a part of us that will, will reconnect back to a stage like this. Right. Um, but just to kind of say a little more about what this looked like in history, you know, when we read, if, if you've read some of the Old Testament stories in the Bible, you may get some pictures of what purple looked like. And I can't help but think of uh, the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel, mm -hmm. where he gathers together all these prophets of Baal, and he's basically, there's been a, a drought, uh, there's been a famine in the land, they desperately need rain. And he says to them, all right, you guys say that, that Baal provides the rains, go for it. And they try all this stuff. <laughs> yep. They set up a sacrifice. They kind of dance and shout and, and cut themselves. And Elijah mocks them saying, hey, maybe Baal's asleep. Maybe you need to shout a little louder. And they try all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And the rain doesn't come. Yep. Uh, but even even the fact that they had to meet on this high place shows the superstition in a sense right. because they believed that the gods were physically above them, and so they felt that if they were on the on the highest point in the area, that the god they were praying to would be most likely to hear them. So I thought yeah. that's a really interesting yeah uh, approach, and I actually got to visit Mount Carmel in person three years ago, uh -huh. and it is the highest place in the region. I mean, there's a great view from up there of the surrounding valleys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you got to go back as someone who has been to previous, I should say, higher stages and look back. And when you've been to higher stages, you look back on purple and it's easy to judge and say, Oh, how crazy these superstitions are. Yes. I yes. can't believe they would ever do that. I can't believe they thought if they offered a sacrifice, it would rain or not rain, or there's some sort of rain God. Like, clearly they made all this up. And part of that is probably because we've been through the orange stage, which we'll get to later, which yes. is the scientific stage that kind of unraveled all these superstitions and said, no, there's a reason it rains. It's called humidity and air pressure and wind currents coming off the ocean and things like that. So I just point that out because when you're in the stage, everything makes sense within that stage. Yes. That's why the whole culture buys into it. Now, when you get to further stages, you look back and say, well, well, that's kind of silly or ridiculous or not scientific or not reasonable. But that, again, we're not telling you this to judge. We're just telling you so you can understand. And I brought up the sports things, Will, because I wanted us to be recognizing that we still have this stage around. Absolutely. And, and part of it is purple is a very disempowered stage. Uh, when an individual is in purple, you feel like all the power is in the outside forces beyond your control. And so whenever we feel powerless, if you ever feel like, man, you know, there's this thing and I can't control it. Maybe you feel that way like 
dealing with a pandemic, for instance. <laughs> yeah, this hypothetical Where, pandemic yeah, we keep that, referencing. Yeah, that we keep referencing. Um, <laughs> you know, you can't control this stuff happens and you think we've, you know, you've handled it and then a whole nother wave comes and then another variant comes and, yeah. and it's like, ah, and you think, well, maybe if I just do this or I do that, I could somehow control it. I think I would challenge all of our listeners. Think of the the last time when something happened in your life where you felt completely out of control. And think about your reaction, because I bet you did something to try to control this uncontrollable situation. And it might have been kind of superstitious, and we see it in church all the time. And I remember, Will, one time, a big time in my life, when I was 16, and I guess you were about 15, we moved. Hmm. And we moved from uh, a little little town with a small school where I had really good friends, and it was kind of a traumatic move for me. Now, at the time, I didn't really know how to process it, but I found myself going right into that purple stage. Wow. And when I look back, I became very kind of superstitious, magical. I was trying to negotiate with God. You know, we were both raised Christians, so even in a very intelligent Christian home, I was doing a lot of things to kind of barter with God. Maybe if I do this, then God will, you know, do something for me. Yes. And it was coming out of that great feeling of, I have no control. I feel disempowered. So now I've got to barter with the gods. The gods need to fix this. The gods need to help me. The gods need to do something. And so it became a point where I was very superstitious and I stopped doing a lot of things because I thought, well, you know, I want God to do my thing. So I better give up this. I better give up that. At one point, uh, I even gave up basketball, my favorite thing to do mm. as a young teenage boy. Mm. And uh, I did it for God. Yes. Yes. And that I, I love that you brought that up, Rick, is purple is, is usually about some kind of bargain we make with God or with the forces. Yeah. You know, however, whatever um, way you're looking at that. And, I, and I've got a similar story. When I was 12 years old, I remember as a kid being feeling really bad for my dad, who was having some low back trouble uh, and some pain in his knee. And my dad loves sports and and he would play basketball. He would set up like a rec night in the gym where we would all get together and play basketball. And, and, and then he couldn't play anymore because he had this back trouble and his mm -hmm. knee was bothering him. And, I, and here's my, my purple solution to this, Rick, was <laughs> I prayed to God and said, God, I will give you $20 in the offering oh. if you'll heal my dad's back. Wow. And I'll give you $10 if you heal his knee. And, and so I, I guess I didn't value the knee healing as much. Uh, I'm not sure where I came up with these figures. Yeah, I don't even think that's a copay for a doctor. So you're kind of putting God below the doctor, actually. But it's a, it's a lot of money when you're 12 years old. So that's true. I, I'm actually surprised I went that high. But I, in the 80s, too. So. This is, yeah, I mean, you know, adjusted for inflation, it's about $2,000 today. But, <laughs> well, I don't know uh, about that. <laughs> But anyway, so I come up with this figure, you know, you can see the superstition here. Yeah. And I'm praying and my dad does get better, you wow. know, 
And Good so job. I, I paid up. You know, oh, I you went paid to church. It. Wait a minute. You weren't paying until he got better? No, no. I was not going to pay <laughs> unless it happened. So, you know, this was kind of interesting. <laughs> and by paying, you you put it in the offering plate at put, church? Put or? it in the offering plate at church. Okay. All right. Yeah. You know, yeah. Will, I've heard a lot of people tell a similar story of some sort of bartering with God that involved money. And they stuck money in the offering plate so that God would do this or do that or because you know, they made some deal with him. So it is very instinctual kind of in that in, in unempowered purple stage to think, well, I, I got to do something. I got to barter with the gods somehow. I, I have this superstition. If I just do this, then they'll do that. And yeah. so it's kind of, it's kind of funny to look back and see, and I, I would love to hear from some of our listeners, if we could, some of their stories, because I'm pretty sure all of us have done something like that at some point. We, we may barter with church attendance or something, you know, along those lines. All right, God, if you get me out of this jam, you know, uh, I'll start going to church every week. Yeah. Or if you, if you, uh, my, my company's laying off their jobs, and if you don't, if you keep me from getting laid off, I'll start giving you more offering or more yeah. tithe, you know? <laughs> yep. So we, we make these deals thinking, you know, it's one thing we can do to control what feels like an uncontrollable situation. Yeah. And unless we just kind of look at it a little negatively, let's point out there is a certain health in acknowledging there are forces beyond our control. Yes. And some of the other stages forget this. Uh, but purple reminds us, hey, we do live in a world where there are forces and things that we cannot control. Now, yes. how we deal with those, you know, we'll kind of go through the stages and see how each of the different stages deals with those things. And I think there are healthier ways than maybe bartering or being superstitious about it. However, we do need that recognition. And, you know, the next stage that we'll get to next week, uh, Red, Red likes to pretend he's in control of everything. And that's a fallacy that gets him in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Yeah. So we need to once again, emphasize that there's health and unhealth at every stage. And so with purple, it's very clear that the health is the embrace of mystery. Yeah. No matter how much you and I know, if you think of your base of knowledge as like a circle, the outside of that circle is the edge of mystery for you. Like you, you know everything inside the circle, but the edge of the circle is what you don't know. That's mystery. Yeah. And yes, maybe your knowledge continues to grow and your circle gets bigger, but the more knowledge you have, the larger the circle, the more you realize you don't know. Yeah. The more of life that remains a mystery to you that's beyond your comprehension. And yeah. accepting that mystery is healthy. Yes. I think it's a very good place to be at. And if everyone who's done the spiritual journey, that's a large part of it, just saying, you know, there's some things I just don't know, will never know. God is mysterious. The whole concept of God, as much as we can try to fathom, fathom him, understand him, he's so much bigger. The universe is so much bigger yes. than our brains can comprehend. Uh, from the smallest pieces, the atoms, all the way to the largest pieces, these planets and suns that are so beyond our comprehension in size and vastness and power. And, a, and an embrace of healthy purple really has helped science move forward and begin to understand things like quantum physics. 
Yeah. Uh, because when you look at some of these theories that uh, they're discovering, there's a massive amount of mystery yeah. in things like quantum physics, where you separate these two particles that are related to each other. If you put, you know, like one in San Francisco and one in New York, and you alter one, the other one instantly changes at the exact same time. And how they communicate over that distance, we don't know. It's right. a mystery. It's an absolute mystery. And what's and... going on there, you know? And uh, so there's a lot of bizarre things yeah. that are still very mysterious to us the more we discover in science. Yeah. And then the unhealth here in purple is something that uh, I think, Willa, you and I probably see more than maybe the average person, but especially in church, people can come to church in the purple stage feeling disempowered, feeling a little bit lost, looking to barter with God, looking to kind of superstitiously fix their lives. Mm. And mm. so you, you've probably met somebody like this who's saying, well, I'm waiting for a sign or, well, I'm not going to do anything until God tells me. Yes. And while there's a place uh, to follow God and to look for his leading there's also a place where we might need to look at how, what we can do. We yes. might not be as disempowered, and sometimes it becomes a victim mentality. I have no control. I can't do anything. So now I just have to barter with God. God is bringing this into my life, and, and people don't take responsibility for their part. One of, one of the most important spiritual lessons that I learned along the way, Rick, was this idea of integration with the part that I needed to play and then the part that God played. Mm. And so in purple, it's kind of like I do almost nothing. Yeah. I do like 1% yeah. and God does 99%. Good point. And, and one of the things that kind of cracks me up now that I look back on it is uh, as I was studying to be a pastor, both you and I, Rick, uh, had these preaching classes. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that, uh, that the professor would say is he challenged us to prepare for giving the sermon. He said, whatever you do, don't do a Friday night special. Now, now in our <laughs> tribe, we preach on Saturday morning. So what he's saying is don't wait till the last minute <laughs> right. and kind of throw a Hail Mary pass up and say, God, you got to give me a great message because I don't know what I'm going to say tomorrow. Right. He said, you should be preparing all week long so that when you get to Saturday morning and you have this message to deliver, you've done your part. Yeah. Then you pray about it and you trust God to do God's part. Right. And so that was the beginnings of me, you know, starting to learn you know, about how to, to integrate, because it really is kind of a cruel thing to put a congregation through to just step up and wing a sermon completely unprepared <laughs> <laughs> and ramble on about all kinds of stuff. You know? Right. So. In the name of, well, God's going to give me the words. Yes. Again, yes. God has all the power. I have none. So he has to do this. And, and we can do that in so many areas of our lives, you know. Oh, my marriage is terrible, so I just pray to God, and he's got to fix it. Well, maybe, but maybe you need to be in counseling. Maybe you need, you know, to talk this through with other wise and respected people. 
Maybe you need to have a conversation, a very serious one with your spouse. A lot of times I think we we go into an unhealthy purple to avoid responsibility, to avoid uh, having to face something we don't want to face. I really appreciate you bringing that up, Rick, because I think one of the things that we can glean right off the bat here is the fact that we can check the unhealth of purple with a simple question. And that question is, am I doing all that I can do? Hmm. You know, there is a limit to what we can do. Sure. And so there is a point where we do what we can and then we let it go and we trust God. Yeah. So that, that does work. But the question is, am I doing all that I can do? So, so maybe my finances are in bad shape and I do have a job, but I just keep spending too much. Yeah. You know, have I created a budget? Have I met with someone who's good with finances that can guide me and give me some tips? You know, do I have a financial advisor? Can I cut up my credit card? <laughs> can I yeah. get another job? Can I sell something I have? Can I you sell know? something? Can I, you yeah. know, is how there do a side I, thing? <laughs> is there something more that I can do? Yeah. Yeah. So that what I'm praying for, you know, is more likely to happen because God doesn't want to uh, solidify my bad habits. <laughs> and Will, just quickly, you reminded me of a lady that we had in our church that we were helping, and she was almost homeless, uh, very low income, and she wasn't working. And so we were kind of encouraging her. And then one day, I realized why, because she told me, oh, God told me I was going to win the lottery. That's wow. what she told me. So okay. she wasn't working. She was just waiting until she won the lottery. She'd be rich. And she promised she would give a bunch to the church. And, you know, she was going to help this person and that person. And that was her way of kind of coping. But it was also taking her away from the health of doing the things she could do to better her situation. Yes. And, and that is, that's the perfect example of purple. Unhealthy God told me I'm going to win the lottery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How can you argue with that? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. So why would you waste your time working? Well, and one final weakness we just need to mention uh, before we kind of wrap things up for today is that disempowered purple is easily controlled by empowered red which is the next stage. That's the next stage. We're going to be talking about red and blue in our next episode. Yes. And this is where it starts to really get interesting. Mm -hmm. I know you're going to find, you know, those to be fascinating, but we have to look at when purple kind of feels like they can't do it. And then someone comes along and says, well, I can do it for you. Yeah. They are very vulnerable to the manipulations of that person and that person is red <laughs> right so you'll want to join us next week we'll get into red and blue red and blue really i think get into kind of the the real foundation of a lot of society things that we see today there's still a lot of red and blue around and a lot of very active and also in your own life you'll see i think a lot of the red and blue stages and, and just to reference our first episode Today, talking about beige and purple, we're still in the me part of the, the stage. Red is also very me-focused, but when we move to blue, that's a move to we. Yeah. And so you're going to see kind of a substantial step forward 
in the move from red to blue. And that is very interesting. Yep, so you'll want to join us next week as we continue to build on these stages. And thanks so much, Will, for sharing your insights and all the uh, unhealth that you've had in your past. <laughs> yes, I, I'm a living example of unhealthy purple. So <laughs> I, could, I could write a book about uh, my life as disempowered purple. <laughs> so, but once we see this, then we can do something about it. That's what's fantastic about these stages. So I can't wait to get into red and blue next week. Yep, so thanks for joining us this week, and we look forward to having you next week when we cover the red and the blue. And for now, you've been listening to Best Thoughts with Dr. Will Johns and myself, Dr. Rick Johns. We look forward to being with you next week. Thanks for listening today. If you want more information about the Best Thoughts podcast, you can go to mysoulcare.net. Click on the Best Thoughts podcast tab and you'll find all of our podcasts in one convenient location. And also, this is the perfect place to contact us, leave us a comment, uh, and let us know what you think about our podcast. And this season, we're trying to take it up a level and we need your help. Could you please rate and review this podcast? And most importantly, if you know someone who would enjoy it, share that with others. And thanks so much for listening.